God knows I love kids. And so I never determined when I found out that my oldest nephew was on the way that I was going to be the world's best parent. I just wanted opportunity to speak into their lives. Gerilyn, and welcome to Old Maid, a podcast about living a faithful single life in a very married church. You are going to enjoy listening to Janice if no other reason than for her awesome laugh. She clearly has a streak of mischief and fun that's a mile wide, but despite that, she gets down to some practical stuff here. Finances, keeping good friends around you, and building into relationships instead of just expecting them to grow on their own. She's a very smart lady. Take a listen. So my name is Janice. I'm 46 years old. Never been married. Mm-hmm. Uh, I live in Steinbeck. Um, I live on my own right now. My niece li- literally moved out on Saturday morning. She was living with me for just under a year. I work multiple jobs, actually. My full-time job is at a private Christian university here in southern Manitoba. I work part-time as I work in registrar's office, which I love. Um, I get to work with students all the time, which is wonderful. Um, you would know that because <laughs> you experience dealing with me all the time at, S- yeah. at SPC. <laughs> I work part-time for my church in the bookkeeping. I do all the, the number crunching and and stuff like that. Anything with tax papers and budget numbers and yeah, anything having to do with the books um, and financial stuff I do for my church. And then some of the other stuff I do is just more casual as needed. I grade assignments for one of the faculty where I work, I do a lot of paper editing for students, exam proctoring. Yeah, just whatever comes up to earn a few dollars and help save money or make ends meet or whatever. How about for fun? Oh, for fun? Well, <laughs> when you have time for fun. When I have time for that? Well, I enjoy my work. So that's a that's a blessing in itself that um, God has given me areas of ministry that I'm passionate about. So that it doesn't always feel like work then. Well, you know me, I'm a Bomber fan, have been for many, many years. So anything having to do with football and the Blue Bomber specific. This but was actually, a good year for you then. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Happy camper at my house. I can't afford to go to games, to be honest. So, and nor, nor does my twin brother. So we watch as many Bomber games together as we can. And so we, or if we can't, then we're texting <laughs> commentary back to back and forth to each other. I love to read. I love doing cross cross stitching. Um, I love time with my nieces and nephews. So any time I can spend with them is always is always good. We never know what mischief we'll get into. Either I spearhead it or they do, and I. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they've always been uh, really special to me, and so I enjoy time with my best friends when we can. We literally have to schedule it like a month ahead of time because our schedules are so crazy. Um, they're all married and with, with children or almost empty nesters by now. But with our schedules, we have to plan ahead and book it like a doctor's appointment. And then we guard that day <laughs> religiously. Like we have to be sick or somebody has to have died essentially for us to cancel on that that date. <laughs> you do what you got to do to keep those connections, right? And so yeah, um, those girls have been friends. My, they're the reason that I know the Lord. They're the reason mm-hmm. I came to know the Lord back in grade eight and nine when we met and we've been 
close friends ever since. And so that's, that's been a gift from God that I am so thankful for every day. And uh, it's been fun building into the lives of their kids too, as they've had kids and watched them grow up and be Auntie Janice to them. So I have four, ne four nephews and two nieces by blood and tons of honorary nieces and nephews <laughs> through friends. Yep, God's very good. <laughs> nice. Tell me a bit about how you grew up and also like what were your expectations that adult life was going to look like? Hmm. Okay, well, I'm the second oldest of four kids, uh, technically. So I have an older sister and a younger sister and a twin brother. Uh, and I'm eight minutes older and eight minutes wiser. <laughs> uh, John wouldn't necessarily agree, but um, we are we are twins. We're um, 18 months younger than our oldest sister. So my parents had their hands full. John and I were also six, no, eight weeks premature. So the doctors had told my parents, you know, just go home and forget that you gave birth to twins because they're not going to live. So uh, when John and I hit 40, our 40th birthday, he's like, hmm, wouldn't you like to meet, meet that medical team and say, ha ha. And I'm like, that's <laughs> a very mature attitude for a 40-year-old, John. He goes, yeah, I know. But still, we're reminded often that God's grace on us that we weren't supposed to make it. And yet here we are. Yeah. Right. As a kid, um, growing up, I never imagined life without my brother. Like we would just always be together because that's that's we always were, right? We were roommates together, quote unquote. Uh, we the first time we were apart in class in school was grade eight, uh, so we had the same teachers, same everything. My parents bought us matching jackets and boots and stuff for school. Uh, so we we've always just been connected. And when our first year apart uh, was devastating, actually, because we didn't know what to do without the other. And um, we were literally next door in classroom space and across the hall, literally from each other in our lockers. Uh, but we didn't know how to handle not being together. So it, it took a long time to adjust to that. So in my kid childish mind, we would always be together, right? Like I didn't even imagine life apart from John. Then as we got older, like I've only my dream was to to be a mom, a wife and a mother. I didn't think of life outside the home. Like that that was that's the highest calling for a woman for in my mind. That's what it was. And so I assumed that I would get married and have kids someday, uh but didn't didn't really think about career beyond that. And um that was just kind of the expectation too in a, a Mennonite home. The women get married, have kids, run their house, whatever. This whole career thing was <laughs> was not something that was really talked about or whatever that I can remember. Yeah, like my, my parents have never been on my case. Why can't you just get married or whatever? Um, my siblings, the same thing. Like my younger sister is single as well. The older, my brother and my older sister are married and have kids. But it's been an acceptable thing, right? It's usually strangers or people in church that have an issue with me being single <laughs> of all of all things like either you're too picky or you're not looking trying hard enough to find a man and I'm like no just my goal has always been to be obedient to what God has called me to and so that has been singleness I've never I, it was never a conscious choice I'll put it that way to be single um God has brought lots of guys across my path 
good godly friends um, that I've just loved and appreciated. They've some of them have been are still a part of my life. Some have come and gone just in the seasons of life or whatever that speak that have spoken into my life or still speak into my life, but not the not the one as uh, mm-hmm. my sister would like. Well, couldn't you just marry one of them? I'm like, no, if God hasn't called us to, <laughs> to relationship beyond friendship. Then what's the point of pursuing that? Right. So, yeah. So not a, it was never a conscious choice. I'm just being obedient to where God leads. And that's that's been a good thing. You said that um, like when you were growing up, then wife and mom was just kind of the expectations. But if I remember correctly, then you've done like a fair bit of post-secondary education and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. was there a point in where you where you figured, well, maybe I need to pursue my own career path or or how did that work? Um, No, it was just, well, I got to work to make ends meet. Right. And so it was more just God's leading, I think, like. God gave me the privilege of going to Bible school, which was a gift in itself because I always wanted to study God's word. Where I went was not my first choice at all. That was definitely God's leading because I wasn't going to go to a school where I had to wear dresses. And that school you definitely did. And um, so, yes, God was like this in, uh, in Nippon. Um, their dress code changed a couple of years after I left. So I was kind of bitter about that. I was like four years too early or too late for my liking, but whatever. Um, God used the experiences to remind me and teach me that his will is right. <laughs> and I don't have to necessarily like it, but I'm going along with it. <laughs> no, I had some, some of the best years of my life were in Bible school, met some wonderful godly people, made close friends and it got to be on different leadership teams and be on drama team and and stuff like that. God gave me different opportunities that I would never have dreamed of um, in going to Bible school. So I was there for three years as a student. And then I remember very clearly one day I was standing in the books in the bookstore visiting with our school president. And it wasn't a small school. I think there was only like 50 to 70 students the years I was there. And so the faculty really become close friends and mentors and Mr. L uh, for short uh, was a school president and a hockey fan and I spent most Saturday nights at his house watching hockey uh, with him because uh, he was the Jets had left Winnipeg I'm dating myself and uh, he was trying to convert me to be a Canucks fan because that was his favorite team so we watched hockey and talked often and I remember the afternoon we were talking about it and I made some comment to him you know what Mr. L you need dorm parents in dorm and he just kind of looked at me funny. He's like, what do you mean by that? And so I explained myself a bit more. And I'm like, just like an, an, an not a, a non-student supervisor in the dorms to mentoring, counseling, discipline, whatever was needed. And he's like, oh, okay. And so we talked a bit about, about it a bit more. And then it turns out <laughs> months later that they had actually been talking about that very thing, oh. having dorm parents I never knew anything about it it was just something that I had been thinking about and so I and another classmate of mine were asked to be the first residence directors in 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 the dorms so I did that for two years and I loved working with students like that was just so cool to speak into people's lives and and teach scripture and okay how do we practically live out what we're learning in the classroom living in residence together because 30 people 30 women dealing with PMS all in the same week or 10 days is not a fun experience, but <laughs> as an example, but how do we, how do we show love and care 
in the midst of all the crankiness or whatever. And so just tangible things like that. And then um, I don't even know how I ended up with it. The school had a seminary catalog in the office. And I remember paging through it and just reading the different categories because I love to learn. Like even today, I've been looking at classes at Red River that I'd be interested in taking just for learning sake. I came to this description of a Master of Arts degree uh, specializing in student development. And I read the, the description and that in a nutshell was my, my passion for ministry, working with students. And I'm like, that's it. And so it was like, God, it was very much a God thing that we even had that catalog in Nippuin and stuff like that. So then I started making inquiries. Um, I applied and I applied to the college first because in Nippuin at that point, they only had a three-year diploma. So that's what I had earned. And I figured I would have to finish my bachelor's degree and then go to seminary. And so I prayed as I was applying for college that as many credits would transfer as possible to college because it was not going to be a cheap endeavor and then go to seminary. And God just opened doors. Like one of the faculty members that worked there was a close friend of my family. And he spoke up for me. Like, And I don't even know how my application from the college ended up on the seminary faculty office desk like they were having a faculty meeting and we're discussing potential seminary students and the seminary has like a 10% rule of 10% of the student body can come from non-accredited schools like Nipwin. Oh, okay. so I guess regist- the registrars or the app the enrollment team got my app and they they sent it upstairs. I don't even know what all happened. And Dr. Chuck knew who I was, Dr. Dave. I had taught his kids in Sunday school and clubs for years. Um, they knew my family. They knew who I was. So, like, they're saying this, this, and this. That's this Janice? Yeah. Oh, she's seminary material. Like, she's in. And so when Prof phoned to tell me, I thought it was a – I was excited because that was a huge answer to prayer. My parents thought I was pulling a practical joke on them. And I'm like, no way, like I'm accepted to seminary. So they didn't believe me. And uh, and then a few days later, then Dr. Chuck and his wife were at the res- at a restaurant and my parents happened to walk by, so they're visiting. And so Chuck is like, so you talked to Janice lately? And my, and my dad is like, yeah, she called to say that she was going to seminary. And ha ha, what a joke, right? And then <laughs> Chuck, Chuck was giggling. He goes, actually, that's not a joke. And they're like, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? No, that Janice was serious. She's coming to seminary in September. Oh my word. And so then they just didn't know what to say with that one. And uh, so then I resigned my position and yeah. And then I moved back to back home to go to seminary. And so I studied full time for two years, earned my degree, went back to Nipwin again to work for three years in the kitchen of all things. My parents are like, you're not doing student development at all. And I'm like, because I was a food service manager slash cook. So I, I cooked three meals a day for three years, loved it. But in a small school like that, like half the student body was responsible to me for, for the student work. And uh, I built really, God used that ministry, even just baking cookies with people <laughs> to build into people's lives, right? And so um, students would come, Janice, do you have a few minutes to talk? Okay, well, if you don't mind if I'm rolling meatballs or doing this and this for supper prep, have a seat, right? And so I built really good relationships with students and sought to encourage them in the Lord and in their studies and stuff like that. 
So I did that for three years and then God <laughs> opened doors. I always, I'm, I don't like speaking in public. Um, that terrifies me no end. And one thing that Dr. Chuck always told me when I was in seminary the first time is that you should be a teacher. God's gifted you to teach. You should be a teacher. And I'm like, no, Chuck, that is your passion for ministry, not mine. I'm not interested. And I had all my reasons and he would just say their excuses. He's like, you should be a teacher. You should consider being a teacher. No, student development is what, what I'm passionate about. And then uh, God, God used other people. Long story short, I ended up back in seminary a second time to complete a second master's degree <laughs> at Providence. And then, and that was training to teach, training me to teach. So as you know, from experience, <laughs> you were in one of my classes that I developed along the way and, and had the privilege of teaching. And so I'm not in a, any teaching positions right now, except for volunteer stuff at church, but those years of study for me have always been a gift because I just loved I just loved being in God's word and studying scripture and learning from godly men and women and even working in the, that same school now interacting rubbing shoulders with godly scholars and learning from them and and stuff like that I'm always looking at classes to take and oh if I had time I would do that oh that would be a great course to take or whatever and Oh, yeah. I'd definitely be the same way. If yeah. I were, was working at a school, I'd be constantly just like, oh, please, can I just come and sit in your class for a bit? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, one of, like, the, the faculty are always writing, like, Dr. Ray Beal, one of our Old Testament scholar, just published, um, had her uh, commentary on the book of Joshua uh, published. And I was like, oh, I want, I want to get that book. But it was like 130 bucks. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, well that's going to be on the wish list for a while and she knows that I love teaching kids at church uh scripture and I do bible what's called we call bible boot camp so it's like one week intense bible studies in the summer she just loves it hearing my stories about the kids and our discussions and stuff so she had come down to her come down to my desk one day and all of a sudden she's like Janice I have a question for you and I'm like okay and she's like would you want one of my commentaries and I'm like are you kidding me? And she goes, yeah. She's like, she had was given a bunch of author's copies to give away. And she goes, as soon as she got them, she knew she wanted to ask me if I wanted one. Because I love Old Testament. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I said, Lisa, I would be honored to be given it, to have one of your commentaries or whatever. And, um, and I said, I was, I've been wanting to buy one, but I'm like, that price right now, I can't afford. So I'm like, it was such a gift, right? So I've had, I've started reading it already. Yeah, just blown away with with her knowledge and her understanding and and stuff. So to me, that's really fun too. I get to interact with people with lots of, lots more biblical background and training than I have that I can learn from and, and go pick their brains when I have questions that my kids bring me at church <laughs> that mm -hmm. I can't answer and get their viewpoint on it or whatever. So that's really fun too. What opportunities would you say singleness has given you? Well, yeah, this to study has been definitely an opportunity because like, I remember the day I was the night before I was leaving for Nipwin to go to Bible school. My best friend had been married for almost a year at that point. And so she, she got, we graduated. She was 18 when we graduated and married by the time she was 19, which was cool. Like that was just, God's leading for her but she's like 
you know what, bud, if, if I wasn't married, I would be staying overnight at your house tonight. I'm like, what? She goes, there's no way I'd be, you'd be going to Bible school without me. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm like, I don't know if Nipwood can handle the two of us together. So maybe one is good for now. <laughs> so the opportunity to study has been a huge blessing. It came with the challenge of like student loan debt and paying that back, but seeing God's faithfulness and provision with the work and the finances to pay it back. That's a story in itself. I've been able to go on different missions trips uh, to Romania and work in uh, different orphanages there, which has been a huge blessing and challenge. What else is there? Yeah, I've been able, I've been like, I can, when God leads, I can pretty much drop things and go, right? Like, so I've worked at camps in BC and Saskatchewan and, and Northern Manitoba. Um, my niece living here for the last year. Auntie Janice, is that okay with you? And God had put it on my heart a few years ago. I had been looking for a roommate and God was stalling everything. And then all of a sudden when she, she texted and called and asked me about staying with me, then then God, it was a very definite God thing. That's now's the time. Okay, so if I had had a spouse, the process would have taken a bit longer probably. Like, is that okay with you and pros and cons, yada, yada. But in two days, she moved in and <laughs> and we were trying to figure out a new normal, right? Any money I earn <laughs> is mine to spend, <laughs> good, bad, or indifferent. The last couple of years, my brother and his wife and I have been on uh, similar journeys on about finances. We've always had debt as a family, right? And the things that we learned about about money and stuff like that, we just have gotten tired of debt. <laughs> and uh, John, God brought John and Mel on their own journey about finances. And mine was a bit different, but but similar. We are coming to the same conclusions about uh, becoming debt-free and how do we honor God with our finances and, and stuff like that. And so one thing that we've been learning is to uh, give, learning to give generously because um, it's really easy to be selfish and self-centered well, we are, we are that by nature, but as a single, for me, it's very easy to get lost in being selfish, right? And having Alex live here <laughs> was very eye-opening in that way. Oh, I've got to think about somebody else now, right? Like, even something as simple as sharing the bathroom, <laughs> getting ready for work <laughs> or school in the morning, right? It's like, like, you're in my space, like, get out of here, right? And Simple things like that, but just being get generous with our time and finances or seeing a need and being obedient to God prompting to give has been an opportunity in the last year and a half or two uh, with different circumstances and, and things going on in friends' lives and God prompting. You know, you've got this this $100 for an example. You know, so-and-so really needs that. And I'm like, but... But I I was going to no, no give, right? So I can choose to be obedient or not. So that's been a, an opportunity instead of asking my spouse, do you mind if, if I give this money, then I don't have to ask <laughs> for blessing or whatever, right? Other opportunities God has given me. I use a lot of precept uh, ministry Bible studies for kids at church. And so it's teaching inductive Bible study which is a really cool tool to teach children in learning and helping them understand God's word. So Precept Canada invited me to be a workshop presenter a few years ago at their national conference. So that was that was very cool. That was a very positive experience. 
uh, met some wonderful people through that and good connections and stuff. Yeah. So those are some of the things that come, come to mind. What have been some of the challenges of singleness, both on the emotional side and the practical side? Mm. Okay. Practical would be finances. Like it's, it's, it's the, the good and the bad, right? Like I hear married friends complaining about all these bills that they have, but they, they have two incomes, full-time incomes in their homes. So there's two of them to help split the, split the bills or whatever. For me, it's just me. So if I also have a big car bill, right, it's okay. How am I, how am I coming up with the money to pay that or um, unexpected expenses or whatever? It's always a challenge. So being debt free now has been a huge, huge weight off my shoulders because I, I can save money and just some of the stuff that we've been learning, my brother and I, and putting those pra- um, principles into practice has been very freeing. One thing I've <laughs> I've said to my parents a couple times, I'm like, I get tired of the responsibility of paying bills, if that makes sense, because I'm like, ugh. Like, I would love a summer off and just do whatever I feel like, but I need to work in order to make ends meet. Or I would like somebody else to make the decisions about where to, if I need a new vehicle, where do I get a new vehicle? Um, who do I trust, like, for car repairs or getting new tires? And I would like somebody else to make the decision <laughs> for me instead of it always being on my shoulders. That gets tiring, but God is faithful too. And he's also put lots of good people in my life that I trust that, okay, I need I need car repairs. Who do I know that is good with vehicles that can help me out here and just give me an estimate and yada yada so that's that's a good thing too most people don't know what to do with singles (laughs) like valent like valentine's is coming up and it's geared for couples right and everybody's what are you doing for valentine's day oh yeah you're single you don't have to worry about whatever and i'm like well actually well for me it's whatever i tend to buy valentine's day cards and send them to my family and and just do crazy stuff to remind people that I love them, even though I'm not dating them or <laughs> romantically involved. I don't need I don't need Valentine's Day to tell me to tell people I love them. Last couple of years, um, I've had to learn to grieve at Mother's Day, which sounds really odd because I always dreamed of being a wife and mom, mm-hmm. right? And so coming to the realization that I will never be a mom was very hard, um, and so I had to give myself permission to grieve that. Be thankful to God's put lots of kids in my life to love on, but knowing that I will never have kids of my own and watch them grow up from from birth to adulthood or whatever, right? So that that took me a couple of years to work through that. Or just uh, friends of mine are celebrating their 25th anniversary, 28, 29 years, and being joyful for them, but even grieving too that I that I won't experience that. On that note, um, like I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where all my friends are getting married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and then so as a result, I've come to like dislike weddings. Quite yeah, I, I don't like uh, I can't say I hate weddings. I'm I'm glad I'm through the phase of being invited to 10 weddings every summer. But I guess <laughs> either way, like how how have you dealt with? some of the emotional pain that comes with not, you know, not getting to experience those milestones yourself. I know that I prayed a lot about it 
that God would help me not be jealous of my friends. I wanted to be joyful with them in their big days. I also didn't want to get sick of hearing their sign about their significant other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, so it's so, so wonderful. And they do this and this. And I'm like, I just want to gag. <laughs> Shut up already. <laughs> There's more to life than your significant other. Or maybe that's the sarcastic in me. With some of them, I've gotten to know the significant other fairly well. And so I'm like, okay, so they they are a little bit better than sliced bread, but <laughs> maybe not all you're making them out to be. Um, so I've built good relationships with them. And so I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I've had to pray, pray through it a lot and ask God to help me not become bitter because I didn't, that I don't have someone significant. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's been the biggest thing. Not that it's, it's way easier said than done. That's for sure. And the other thing too, is that God keeps reminding me that I'm in the center of his will where I am. There's nothing wrong with being single. Uh, although a lot of attitude that I've received over, over the years, is there something wrong with me or I'm too picky because I'm still single? I've had people ask me if I'm a, a lesbian because I'm not seeking a boyfriend or whatever. I'm like, no, I'm <laughs> I'm just seeking to live my life of faith as God calls me to it. That doesn't make me wrong or weird or whatever. It's just a quiet confidence for me, if that makes any sense, that I am where God has called me to be. And that's when I get really restless or angry that I'm that I'm single still. God just keeps reminding me, no, 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 you're you're in the center of my will, right where you are. And so he he brings opportunities and people to minister to or whatever where I'm at. And there's things I can do as a single that I would have to think twice about if I was married, or the the opportunity might not be there at all. Yeah. So it's 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 sometimes I'm just chill with it. And then at other periods, and I really have to pray it through again and come back to what God has called me to. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know how to explain that better. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. <laughs> have you have you generally felt like you've belonged in the church? Like you you mentioned that people tend to not know what to do with singles. Did that extend yeah. to your church experience also? Yeah, yeah. Like everything at church is geared to family. Like the biological family, right? So an example is next next week we're having um the youth group is is providing babysitting so couples can go have dates on Valentine's Day. <laughs> like that's awesome. Uh, what about the singles? I mean, our church has hardly any singles, right? Or the family ministry stuff. Um, they had family camp, and so they had rooms and stuff for the families. But then what do you do with the single adults, <laughs> right? Like, oh, they can all share, like the single ladies can all share one cabin. And I'm like, okay, so they had four sets of bunk beds and there's seven people, let's say. I don't know about anybody else, but I don't like the top bunk, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> so it's like, yeah, we'll just group them all together. And, and I don't think that they do that intentionally, but they just don't think about it right oh yeah how would a single person perceive this or I'll get asked to do stuff because I'm single and I don't have kids at home to worry about right and I'm like um hmm I'm not quite sure what to make with it. make 
of that. I know our church did a, a sermon series a couple years ago on the biblical perspective of, of marriage and family, right? And they had one sermon that was dedicated to singleness. And it was great, but it was taught by a married man <laughs> who was, who got married very young. And so he had some good good points in there. But I walked away feeling that's it. That's all you could come up with. Like, I was really disappointed with it. Like, because he really gave no insight to married people on how to encourage singles. Yeah, <laughs> it still leaves me kind of, huh, I should go back and listen to the sermon again. But I think in some ways they are working. Like, they want to incorporate everybody into community groups and stuff like that. But but again, there it's it's assumed everybody's married or has kids or they're young young families and if they have group activities during the day that everybody can make it to well then my single chicks that work full-time oh you didn't come to bible study again well no actually i work (laughs) at 10 o'clock in the morning bible study doesn't work for me oh you should come anyway well no i'm sorry (laughs) i would love to but i can't but they don't (laughs) want to have an evening Bible study because it takes away from time with their spouses and kids. It's like, okay, so um, I've done a couple one-on-one Bible studies with a friend whose kids are all like grade 10 and older or out of school and and college age and stuff like that. So she has the flexibility to (laughs) have Bible study whenever. That being said, I also have some close friends at church, like men and women that don't care, quote unquote, that I'm single. Like they're wonderful godly people that speak into my life and uh and I treasure that I don't think they know how much that actually means to me to um that they they regularly send me notes that they're praying for me versus the scripture that God puts on their hearts for me it's yeah. it's always a, it's an ongoing challenge I have a small church I go to a small church fellowship and so um I think there's only like one or two other singles that I can think of but they're they're incorporated into church life as well what what do you think would help? Like what what do you think married people or the church could do to to encourage singles? That's the million dollar question, hey. I feel like the answer is kind of it depends. <laughs> it, it it does. It, you know, every every church family is different. I think maybe this is just me. I think a lot of people in the church don't even acknowledge singleness as a valid lifestyle. If that makes sense, right? Like we're all meant like we're incomplete without our other half. And I'm like, no, I'm a complete individual <laughs> on my own. I don't need a spouse to be complete. The what God has called me to as a single is very different. We have the same same faith, same salvation. We just live it out differently as singles than than a married couple with children would, right? I'm not sure what that would look like in the church. Like, I know some big churches have, like, singles nights, but then it's more like a dating service, (laughs) which I wouldn't be interested in either, right? Like, I'm not out to get a man. I just just want to be with God. Like, I want to grow in my faith with other like-minded individuals, whether they're male or female, whatever, (laughs) right? Yeah. Um, Is there something you think that, that single people can do to kind of carve out a niche for themselves in the church and, and sort of make it their home? Yeah, I think being intentional in serving instead of being in the in the in the periphery and oh poor me, poor me, right? Like um instead of waiting for people to invite us to 
different activities participate, right? Like sometimes that's easier said than done too. Uh, like volunteering to teach Sunday school or work with the kids or whatever ministry that the churches offer that interests you, go for it, right? Don't don't stay back because nobody has asked you. If the church always needs volunteers to help, it's part of it is taking the initiative ourselves to participate and to to volunteer and hopefully start building bridges with other people, married or single, and build relationships that way. I don't know. I always struggle with that. But I'm an introvert as well, too. So I know I, I, I volunteer as much as I can with the energy and time that I have <laughs> to put into it. And sometimes I think, oh, I should do more. But I always want the healthy boundaries, right? Like serve where I'm gifted and I'm able to, but not do all the time just because people assume I have time because I'm single. <laughs> like, actually, some singles are more busy than married people. But that's okay, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's something for me, like as an introvert that I've had to realize too, that I just have to have recharge time. And if I don't take that time, I'm no good to anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, well, I would love to teach Sunday school, but with all like working in a school, like there's, it's busy and then the summer is quieter. So that's why I do boot camps in the summer. Cause to me, it's a lot of fun and everybody at work's like, you're teaching kids for fun over the summer holidays? I'm like, yeah, it's awesome. It's exhausting. Last year I did it the week before I went back to work, which is a dumb idea. I need to do it the first week of my holidays and then have a week off <laughs> and recover and then go back to work. It's hard to step out of the comfort zone, right? Like, what if I don't know anybody or I'm going to be the only single one there? Uh, whatever, get over it, right? Like, it's not the first or last time <laughs> I've done something because... I'm, I'm single. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's work on both both sides, right? Like individuals that are married and singles that you don't leave people out intentionally or whatever. Or unintentionally is usually the case, I think. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. Recharge time for an introvert, so needed. Because you can only run on empty batteries for so long. Yeah. <laughs> and I've tried to do it for a very long time. So. Yeah. yeah. No boundaries. <laughs> Boundaries and um, and time, like recharge time, is just so valuable. You can't discount that just because we're single. All right, last question. Mm-hmm. How how would you advise or encu- or encourage other single women? The first thought that came to my mind yesterday when I was writing things down was to be obedient to God's word. It is totally okay to be single, and God is our provider. Oftentimes, it's easier said than done, and I'm preaching to the choir saying this um is this relying on him as long as we're seeking him and being obedient to what he has called us to do so whether it's as a journalist (laughs) or for me in my work or whatever circumstance god calls us to be obedient to him first and foremost and put him first in our lives because if we're not if we're not anchored in him everything is just shife to (laughs) to use a mennonite word right uh off off target is what life means in English. Choosing joy uh, in singleness. My younger sister is single as well and is very bitter uh, in her singleness because she just wants to have sex. And um, I'm like, I'm pretty sure there's more to marriage than sex. (laughs) Anyway, we have some funny conversations. But 
we really do choose our attitude. We can be joyful in what God has called us to, or we can be bitter and snippy and rude to people just because they're married and have kids or whatever. Um, they have something that they want, that we want. So our attitude definitely does matter. I'd say be intentional about building positively into the people in your sphere of influence. That's one thing that God has really been reminding me this year because of my niece. We've always had a good relationship. Like my nieces and nephews mean the world to me. And my younger sister gets mad at me about this because you're the favorite auntie. And but she doesn't do anything to build a relationship with them. And I always tell her, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. And I said, so God knows I love kids. And so I never determined when I found out that my oldest nephew was on the way that I was going to be the world's best aunt. I just wanted opportunity to speak into their lives and build relationship with them. And God has really honored that with like moving home from, from moving home to Steinbeck from Saskatchewan uh, Jordan was just one years old. I remember my seminary notes are full of his scribbles and and stuff because I'm sitting on the floor doing homework and he he came over and he would sit on my lap and he'd have to be writing quote unquote too. And so all my scratch notes for my papers that I was attempting to write um, have his had his marks on it because he he wanted to be where Atty was or our slurpy dates and ice cream runs and and stuff like that kids coming over to play Lego and uh, table games. And with my younger munchkins, we have, uh, we've gone like painting pottery and we've, got, we have mini golf tournaments, uh, so <laughs> which are hilarious because they're so funny and they're so competitive. So we have this ongoing thing that if we play mini golf and I get a hole in one, they all owe me chocolate bars. But if they get a hole in one, I'll buy them a chocolate bar. So they all try to distract me. And in hopes that I don't get holes in one because they don't want to buy me chocolate. And uh, <laughs> I just, like I'm always pranking them and crazy things to do for opening Christmas presents. Like they know I'm going to give them a present. It's just what will they have to do to get it? And so they, they've had to do all kinds <laughs> of treasure hunts and, and goofy stuff. And uh, it's been a pleasure to build into their lives. And I just, Love them to pieces, but to know, like with Alex, she said, Auntie Janice, I trust you, that you this will be a, a safe place to be and a place where I'm loved and cared for and nurtured while they're trying to figure things out with their family and stuff like that. And I wouldn't have had that if we hadn't spent so much time building a relationship over the years. So that's something I'm really, really thankful for. One thing I'd encourage people to is we live in such a culture where women can do everything men can do, which is a lie. We can't. We're not made to do everything that God made men to do. And it's okay to ask for help. Like my little sister thinks that she should be able to do everything herself. She should she should be so self-sufficient that she doesn't need anybody's help. And I'm like, well, actually, that's a lie from the pit. God made us to depend on each other, not to be on our own. And I said, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say I need help <laughs> or it might be something simple as boosting the battery on the car or whatever whatever it could be it's okay to ask for help and to me it's a sign of strength that we can admit oh I don't know how to do something I need someone to help me with this that's that's a good thing oh yeah I'm like surround yourself with godly people whether they're married or single 
surround, find find godly people to spend time with. Just in the last couple of years, my my younger sister has been involved with a group of women. I don't know how she's met them all, but all of them are divorced and they are very very negative, very toxic people. Um, so they lie and manipulate each other. It's unbelievable. I'm like, and yet she considers them close friends. And I'm like, those ladies are so toxic for you. Like, there, there's nothing godly and edifying about their friendship for you. And well, yes, there is. I'm like, no, there isn't. If you sit and listen to what you're telling me, and I said, I, I know I've met them in passing, but there's nothing about them that builds you up in your faith. They actually tear you down. And I'm like, that's a dangerous thing. So I've actually encouraged her to step away like or build boundaries, better boundaries in those friendships just because of the the toxicity. Toxicity, what is that word? That's the word, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just because of how toxic they are to her. And I said, that infects you that affects you, whether you realize it or not, and it affects how you turn around and deal with other people and in your sphere of influence. And I'm like, not that you like you want to be a godly positive influence to them, but they're they're sucking so much it's not a healthy thing at all. Mm-hmm. So seek seek godly counsel. Surround yourself with godly people. Made is written and produced by Gerilyn Witchers. If you enjoyed listening, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That would be a great help. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at Old Maid Pod. See you next week.